Did you know that the open source sponsor of GNS3 is SolarWinds? It's true, and that's good news for you, Packet Pushers listener. For everyone listening to today's episode, SolarWinds is offering a free license to their standard toolset. The SolarWinds standard toolset is a collection of fundamental tools for basic network troubleshooting and diagnostics. You'll get an IP network browser, subnet list, traceroute, ping, enhanced ping, ping sweep tools, and many more. To claim your free SolarWinds standard toolset license valued at $200, visit tinyurl.com slash packetpushers. One more time, that's tinyurl.com slash packetpushers. Today on the Packet Pushers Priority Queue, we catch up with GNS3. What is GNS3? It is a free and open source network simulator. It is incredibly useful if you're trying to lab and learn without all that pesky physical equipment. Now, if you have not heard of GNS3, you are in for a treat. And if you have heard of GNS3, which wouldn't surprise me, there's tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of users, but maybe you haven't used it for a few years, hey, you need to stay tuned to learn just how far the platform has come. And I really do mean that. I hadn't used GNS3 for a while. I just hadn't had a lot of lab stuff that I was doing where I needed that platform. But then I had a reason to. I got caught up with GNS3 a few months back, and GNS3 has come a very long way. Joining the priority queue from GNS3 is instructor David Bombal, principal developer Jeremy Grossman, and developer Julian Duponchel. And David, let's start with you. Um, you know, I, I gave a, a quick intro to what GNS3 is. Can you, can you just talk through it a little bit more? Uh, give us some more detail for the audience. Yeah, sure. I'm a networking person myself. And I've been in the same boat as many networking people trying to study for labs or trying to study for certifications. And GNS3 has been a godsend for myself personally and I think for many others. GNS3 is open source free software that Jeremy started developing many years ago. And it supports multiple vendors and allows you to create from simple to really complex labs on your laptop. And as you said, it's extended now where you can run multiple topologies on multiple servers or, if you like, still on your laptop. Yeah, and uh, it's funny you put it that way of, uh, you know, needing to study in lab for certifications and that kind of thing, which I know that's a, that's a big reason a lot of people use GNS3. When I go back to my CCIE training days, which would be 2007-2008 timeframe, I had a rack full of equipment. That's how I did it. I was not using virtual stuff because it just, it was a little very early days and uh, I had access to some older gear that was sufficient for my my needs and that's what I did. That was hard, you know, that was a big deal, you know, having all that equipment up and running and keeping it cabled and all the rest and the virtual option these days that we have is uh is kind of nice. So so Jeremy, uh, turning to you, you started GNS3 about 10 years ago, you were in university and what what was the scenario that drove you to uh, get GNS3 going? I was studying for CCNA uh, classes at uni. And um, we had like a physical lab, and you you you, you had to do the cabling uh, physically, etc. And I was frustrating. I could not uh, study for CCNA at home, like practicing. Um, and at the same time, um, there was a need for a do an end of studies project, and uh, that was a, the perfect idea, like to create like a, a software to to practice. That's that's the idea I came up with. So I did some research, um, and I found a software uh, named uh, NS3 that I could use to to create like a, a solution to to study for for Cisco classes. But uh, I quickly quickly realized uh, this software was for academic purposes only and was not close to the to the reality. 
and and I found Dynamics. Uh, Dynamics was made by someone in, in France, um, like as a as an open source project, and was a, the, the perfect uh, software I could use uh, to run iOS images. So I, that's why I decided to create uh, GN3. So you had so there was software there called NS3. And uh, mm-hmm. and then you named GNS3. So what, I had never heard of that. I didn't know that there were any roots in NS3. So you're kind of filling in a gap here for me. Mm-hmm. So what what was that? And then what does so what does GNS3 actually stand for versus NS3? It means graphical NS3. Okay. Now you uh, you mentioned Dynamips. Now my memory of Dynamips it was one of the engines required to to run certain iOS uh, images. Um, it's kind of kind of my recollection of it. Is that is that about right? Oh yeah, that's correct. Yeah, Ethan, if I was a similar to you, when I when I did my CCIE, you had to do everything on physical equipment. So I had a bunch of routers and switches under my desk, and huge noise, massive cabling, a lot of hassle. With GNS3, originally with Dynamips, you could only replicate routers, and perhaps an Ether switch module in in a router. But things have moved on a lot since those days, and I think that's one of the biggest misconceptions people have about GNS3 today is it's no longer stuck in that Dynamips world that we had 10 years ago. It's moved on a lot since then. Yeah, and a lot of the images have moved on since then, um, where I think a lot of the world is, you're not just running iOS binaries now. Now there's uh, images out there that were intended to run on the virtualization layer on top of x86 somewhere. And so the choices we have to run uh, virtual network equipment is uh, has really been broadened quite a lot. And I think that's worth pointing out that it's not just uh, Cisco gear that GNS3 runs these days, which that was kind of the thing, you know, if you wanted to run, you know, a bunch of Cisco router images and, you know, make maybe an EtherSwitch module, like you were saying, David, that was the old world scenario. Now you can run a whole lot of different NFV kind of things, virtual network functions. And, and really, the, you can make a very complex topology multi-vendor. Yeah, you're right. I mean, NFV is all the rage these days where people are, or companies are punting that they can do virtualized functions of devices. But I mean, GNS3 in its most basic form has been doing that for a long time. We've been able to virtualize devices on our PCs. But as you said, I mean, with um, Cisco Viral, as an example from the Cisco world, on GNS3 today, you could run iOS V Layer 2, you can run virtual ASAs, you can run CSRs, there's many, many options, and the same is true for other vendors. So to take something that's totally different, you've got a Cumulus VX image that allows you to run Linux um, as if you're running a Linux-based router or switch, and you can run that within GNS3 as well today. It's a huge scope. A lot of vendors are supported. And uh, you, you mentioned Viral, and now I know I've spent some time with Viral. I've blogged a little bit about it. I haven't spent a ton of time with it, but you know enough to be uh, familiar with the interface and so on. There's a switching image in there, and uh, and I guess that underscores the point that GNS3 as well is not just routing. You can actually run uh, full full blown switches and have uh, uh, switching functionality for your practice and studies as well. It, it used to be true in the past, and some people still think that today, perhaps that you could only do a very basic spanning tree because um, of what Dynamics was capable of doing. But these days you could do rapid spanning tree, you could do multiple spanning tree, you can do ether channel because you could take an iOS V layer 2 image. So you could take a viral image and import it into GNS3 and get full-blown switching. Port security, DHCP snooping, and all the rest of it. Yes, all that fun stuff that gets tested. Yes. Yeah. I mean, there's one or two things you can't do. So, um, But that's a, that's a viral limitation. Um, on some of the viral images, you can't do 
port spanning. But I mean, I think the change for, how do you say it, all grumpy guys like us perhaps is, you know, <laughs> years ago we were used to doing everything physically. Some of the virtual stuff perhaps didn't meet, match what was possible in the physical world. But these days the virtual world is, you know, is caught up tremendously versus the physical hardware devices. We do have some challenges, though, in the uh, you know in the virtual space, because if you want to get a, a complex lab topology up, all of those images that you stand up and run take up a certain amount of memory and a certain amount of CPU. Uh, so how do you, uh, you know, in a GNS3 world, how do you scale that out? Yeah, so I think, I mean, it, it, it's a valid point. I mean, if you've got a, a low-powered laptop or pc it's it's kind of limited in what you can do i mean genius 3 isn't necessarily designed to do stress testing of asics or something like that so we're not trying to do high throughput of packets through through a virtual device um, viral wasn't developed for that either the whole point is it allows you to scale and lab topologies by using multiple physical devices so you don't have to run the entire topology on your laptop and um, i'll let jeremy and julian talk about this in more detail later but today GNS3 is split into two components. You have sort of a front-end component or graphical component that you install on your PC. But uh, there's been a change where we've now got a GNS3 virtual machine. And that that's sort of the server component. And that could run on any hardware. So you could put that on a very powerful ESXi server and scale the number of devices that you're using that way or put it in the cloud or, as I've done many times, have GNS3 running on multiple PCs and then just connect them together via physical infrastructure. So you're not limited to a single device. In one of the classes I taught many years ago, we had probably 30, 40 physical devices, but it wasn't enough for what we were trying to do. So we took every PC in the class that we had and we ran GNS3 on those PCs, ran devices on those PCs just to make the topology even bigger. So you're not kind of limited to one device. Yeah, I could corroborate that at home. Uh, I have two ESXi servers that I do lab work on. Uh, I put the GNS3 virtual machine, uh, one instance on each of those ESXi hosts. I stood up the client on my Mac, and then I was able to farm out certain routers to one of those VM images, certain routers to the other. And they, because they all had physical network connectivity, it all played together as one big lab, even though the devices were, the virtual devices were running on physically different ESXi hosts. It was, I was, I was doing it going, I don't know if this is even going to work, but what the heck I'm going to try it. And then it all just worked. And I was like, Oh, how are they doing that? That's really cool. I'm assuming it's tunneling or an overlay or whatever's going on there. Maybe you guys can fill me in if there's not too much secret sauce going on. But uh. it's uh, it's not really a secret sauce. We just make a UDP UDP tunnel between uh, between all the hosts. This means you can work on any uh, networks. I think this is you know one of the advantages of GNS3 is it's very mature. It's been around for a long time. But at the same token, or in the same way. Because of that rich history, some, sometimes people who haven't worked with it for a few years remember it the way it was rather than the way it is today. <laughs> and they still remember it as a single piece of software running on a, on a laptop. And yeah, that's changed dramatically. It, yeah, right. It was back in the day and you had to do CPU tuning for certain binary images to make sure your uh, one image wasn't taking away your entire box and and so on. And and right, it's just such a, such a different animal today. Uh, how's the stability on it these days? It's really stable. We have made uh, a lot of works uh, during the past year. On, uh, I think we are, Genesis 3 has not been uh, 
more stable than today. Actually, when you debug crash, it's very rare. We have one user who got the crash by months or stuff like that. It's very, very, very stable. Mm, I think good. it comes back to that GNS3 VM thing, because in the past you used to, as you mentioned, Ethan, you had to set an idle PC value on your local laptop and everything was running locally, but because it's running on a on a Linux-based VM now, um, and that's where you sh- hopefully generally should run your images is on the VM. Not that you're forced to do that, but generally that's where you should go. Um, you've got the stability of Linux. Um, it's running within a VM that's been optimized. A lot of the images, especially the images from viral, have been tested. So they're a lot more stable than you know just getting an image off the internet and trying to install it on your Windows PC. Hmm. Which kind of goes back to a point you were making earlier, David. Maybe we can dive into a little bit. The uh, back in the day, it was more or less Cisco only. You you needed to have legal access to some binary images to be able to run them on uh, on GNS three, etc. Nowadays, it's not certainly not Cisco, as you mentioned, multi-vendor, lots of different uh, vendors are supported. You mentioned Cumulus Linux. Can you mention a few other um, vendor images that are supported? And then how do you how do you get a hold of them and put them into GNS3? You can get images from multiple vendors. Some vendors provide the images for free. So as an example, Cumulus, you can just register and download the image and import it. Other vendors allow you to do the same. With Cisco, to legally get an image, you need to either have a CCO account and have the rights to download an image for a specific device, or you can purchase a viral license and then get access to all the viral virtual images. But different vendors have different places where you can get images. I think from a user point of view, and I mean, I'm taking this from a, from a user rather than a developer um, standpoint, um, what I've seen that's really nice in the new version of GNS3 or the later versions of GNS3 is if you want to get a new device into GNS3, on the GNS3 website, there is an appliance section. So you can download an appliance. It comes with all the pre-configured values for you. And if you don't have the image, it will automatically will allow you to click on a, on a link and take you to the right place on the vendor site to download the correct image. So, I mean, hats off to Jeremy and Julian for doing all that work to make it simple from from a user's point of view. Yeah, now we have even uh, vendors who contribute uh, their own appliance to, uh, to GNS3. For example, you have Extreme Networks on the on their GitHub, you, you can find uh, appliances for GNS3. Even uh, Cumulus uh, as a like example using GNS3, how to use their, their appliance uh, using GNS3. Uh, we we have also uh, Riverbend that has an appliance that they want to run in GNS3. Yeah, I think the the big point here is it's not this clandestine thing you got to be feel a little weird about uh, when you're running these images in GNS3. Like, is someone going to get mad at me because I'm running this and I don't actually own it or it's not in my production box? Or it's this broad community support for this, and a lot of vendors are supporting this directly with uh, with images here that you can you can get to build these labs. So it's not a it, it's it's turned into a very uh, powerful tool with very broad support, and uh, and that's 
great for you if you're with someone who's out there wanting to learn something new and uh, don't have access to that vendor. Or you just want to see you know, how it would fit into your environment or test a scenario or learn something for certification. You can get out a lot of uh, valuable knowledge here that from back in the day when I was a grumpy old network engineer, we couldn't do it like that. <laughs> we had to bolt right. things into a rack and apply license keys, and we liked it. Yeah, and so on. Yeah, the world uh, has moved on. So, okay, now one one thing that was a bit painful in my memory with old school GNS3 was just getting an image to run properly, run efficiently, and run well. H- how is it with the newer images? To be honest, I've focused mostly on some of the Cisco stuff that I was testing of late and haven't really gotten into the other vendor images. Is that What's that process like to get that image running well in GNS3? Ethan, I think in the past it was difficult because let's say you downloaded a Cisco image or a Brocade image or some image from a vendor that you hadn't got a lot of experience with. I'll give you an example that I've encountered recently. I've been doing an upgraded CCNA course using GNS3, and a lot of people want to obviously try the switching stuff, but uh, they're not sure how to set up iOS V layer 2. And that's where the appliances make it a lot simpler because you download the appliance, you import it into GNS3, and it kind of steps you through the proper way of setting it up using the recommended settings. And the same is true for the other vendors. So if you want to use another vendor that you haven't encountered before, I would recommend getting the uh, appliance from the GNS3 website and importing that into GNS3, which really simplifies the process. And sort of in my experience doing that as well, I tried to do stuff manually, couldn't get it right, imported the appliance, and it, it was up and running very quickly. Okay, good tip on the appliances there. No, the appliance that I would be downloading includes an image, or is it kind of like a container the image goes into? It's just a container. You still need to provide your own image. I mean, once again, some vendors make it very easy. You can get the images for free just off their websites. Um, other other vendors, such as Cisco, you need to provide your own image by having a CCO account or buying a viral license. So, yeah, unfortunately, because of legal requirements, GNS3 is not able to provide some images. You need to get your own image. Exactly. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. And that, yeah, and I think it could be easy to look at and say, oh, it's an appliance and it's got everything you need in it. When in fact, it's it's got all the settings you need. It's that hole you can put the image into, but you still need to provide that image. So I think that's a, that's a key clarification to understand. Yeah, very good point. It's kind of like yeah, a VM. You set up a VM and you still need to provide the operating system. Okay. Now, uh, David, earlier you were mentioning um, the support for certain hypervisors, which we talked a little bit about that, as well as cloud. How can I take advantage of all those things? I still think of it as kind of a local tool, but then if we're bringing cloud into it, what does that actually mean? So I'll answer part of this and then defer to the other guys for, for the cloud discussion. So as an example, if you've got ESXi, there's a GNS3 VM that you can download from the GNS3 website, and it's specifically created to run within ESXi. So there's nothing stopping you running it on a powerful ESXi server. One big limit limitation of most cloud, if you can't, if is you can't make nested virtualization. This means you can't access to the hardware CPU instruction for virtualization. But we start to see uh, cloud provider like uh, Packet, which are uh, metal cloud, where you can you, where you can use the the, CP, the CPU and take advantage of uh, the virtualization instruction of the, the CPU. Speaking of the uh, CPU, it reminded me of uh, resource utilization, which 
when running a pretty heavy lab, you can really be eating up a lot of CPU and so on. Um, and, and it just popped in my head. Containers, Docker. Uh, is there, uh, does GNS3 play in that space? And does that, you know, if, if so, does that help us with resource management? I think it was in 1.5 that Docker became available. And, yeah, that's um, correct. Yeah, so, I mean, that's obviously taken things to a different level now. So rather than, I'm not sure if everyone's who's going to be listening to the call is aware of Docker, but I mean, in brief, rather than booting a full-blown VM running an operating system, Docker would allow you just to instantiate a process so you could run virtually, if you like, to use an analogy, rather than running 20 VMs to give you an Apache server, you run one server just with 20 instances of Apache. So that's a huge advantage, I think, with GNS3 now, because rather than having to perhaps run a full operating system, if you wanted 10 instances, you just run 10 Docker instances rather than trying to try and boot up 10 full-blown virtual machines. So yeah, Docker support is available. And I think it's a huge um, addition moving forward with regards to utilization. Mm. How has the community grown? I know uh, I've been talking to some of you guys, and, and it seems like there's more and more folks getting added all of the time. But uh, you know, the community is where I think of if I would go to need to go somewhere for help and so on. Well, how, how big is the community? I think we have more like 600,000 users uh, into the community. So that's that's a place where you you can ask questions about Gen3 mostly, uh, but you can also ask questions about networking and how do I do this with Cisco? How do I do that with Juniper, etc.? Uh, so it's a, it's a it's a great community. We're still trying to to evolve it, like to to find the the how sweet spot like. You said uh, six hundred thousand people, roughly. You know that that's a rough number. So that is an absolutely yeah, massive roughly. community. Uh, yes, yes, indeed, and we we're still growing. Like every 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 week, we get even more users. Wow, six hundred thousand! It's like a, we, if I had that many people listening to this podcast, that would be okay. <laughs> we have some work to do. <laughs> well, now, beyond the community, all of the users that are there, uh, do, does GNS three have its own documentation? Because that was never a strength, at least back in the day. Um, so, how have we done with that? Yeah, so this is one of the things that I've. Um, got involved in. I am, I, I've spent many years in, in a training environment and uh, more recently in course development. So one of the things I've got involved with in the last year is developing a GNS3 training course. And I'm also involved in updating and making the documentation more robust because it has been one of the things in the past. Um, I think with any rapidly developed open source project, it often falls into the trap of great product, not always great documentation. So I'm hopefully, hopefully going to do a great job of improving the documentation. Okay. (laughs) Hopefully. Ethan, you can, uh, you can judge me on that later. Yeah. You just put a lot of pressure on yourself. That's uh, for for darn sure. Not a good idea. So another thing that's happened here with with, uh, GNS3, as the software has grown, as the user community has grown, uh, the project got attention from SolarWinds, and now SolarWinds is involved with GNS3. What do you want to explain uh, what's happened there and what that means for the project? One of the problems, you know, with with an open source project like GNS3 is you still got to eat, you still got to survive. And I think the, the great thing of, of what's happened with SolarWinds is SolarWinds have now provided the financial support so that Julian and, and Jeremy can concentrate on developing the product rather than trying to you know survive. So 
GNS3 is now being sponsored as an open source project by SolarWinds, and GNS3 is now part of the SolarWinds organization. Ah, okay. So they, so so so. In other words, GNS3 employees are now working for SolarWinds, and uh, and, and get a steady paycheck. Meaning, you guys get to work on GNS3 all the time now. Uh, indeed, yes, we we are uh, SolarWinds employees, uh, but we are dedicated to GNS3. And okay, now I'm pretty familiar with SolarWinds and a lot of their software and stuff. Does this also mean that we'd be able to get SolarWinds software involved in GNS3? Like I can run SolarWinds stuff in my GNS3 lab? Uh, yes, we we working on this, and you can actually already run like tools like uh, Real Time Viewer in GNS3. We have a direct integra- integration, and we do some uh, promotion of SolarWinds tools on the on the community. So we're still trying to find the best uh, fit for SolarWinds products with Gen3. But yeah, you guys are working on that integration. And then uh, I th- actually, I think I've seen some banner ads and stuff come across of certain SolarWinds products that you can actually stand up in the GNS3 lab, which is, uh, which is nice. Okay, so here's another uh, thought. We've mentioned viral a number of times, which I know folks that are... Uh, uh, you know, big in the Cisco world, they're very aware of viral. Cisco's pushed it hard, um, but it's uh, uh, it, how do I describe viral? Boy, it is it is a it can do a lot of things, but it's a lot of product to wrap your head around it to make it do what you want it to do. You know, ease of use. At the last I checked, was not the strength of it, um, although it, it it is very powerful. Uh, and then UNet Lab is is out there. Uh, that's another uh, network simulator tool that's gotten some press, and they've been on packet pushers before, and so on. It, so, how am I choosing as a, a person who wants to run something? Do I pick GNS three? Do I pick UNet Lab? Do I pick Viral? Is there one right answer here? I think the answer to that is you know it's horses for courses, as we would say in the UK. Or I like to always, whenever I get confronted with these kind of questions, I like to ask you know what's better, a Mercedes or BMW. And it really depends on the individual. Some people may prefer one product over the other. Each has its advantages and disadvantages, strengths and weaknesses. I think the advantage of GNS3 is it's a mature product, been around for a long time. It's open source. It's not going to restrict the number of devices you can have in your topology. Um, as we've mentioned, you can have multi-vendor implementations, so you can mix and match products as you as you like. Viral is obviously Cisco-focused. It's... Um, a Cisco product. There is a cost, a yearly cost to run viral. Uh, you are limited in the number of devices that you can run. And as you've mentioned, I think it's it's quite a steep learning curve to, to get it to run. So I think, you know, viral images can be brought into GNS3. As long as you've got the viral images, there's nothing stopping you leveraging the power of the viral images from Cisco as part of GNS3. And with UNet Lab, one of the advantages of that product is it's got a graphical web-based interface, but it does have some other limitations in that you can only run one VM. It doesn't give you the scalability, um, as far as I know, and I might be wrong on this, but as far as I know, it doesn't have the scalability as you would have with GNS3, where you can run multiple VMs, inter- interconnect them, and so forth. So it's very much, I think, from a user's point of view, it depends on what you on what you want to use, have a look at the advantages and disadvantages of each. Uh, and, and I would agree with that. I mean, it's um, depending on what you're trying to do. You know, viral, I was able to get get a lot of uh, a, a big topology built with 
a minimum of effort once I got my brain wrapped around the process and how I'm supposed to use the stupid tool. Uh, it worked pretty well. I mean, it's a beast. You need a lot of memory to devote to it. Some of those images in there are just astonishing uh, how much memory that are, is required to do some of the fancy things, like if you want a DMVPN and so on. I don't know that that's different anywhere else necessarily, but uh, but again, just viral is, is heavy for Cisco. If you want to do the multi-vendor stuff, then you want to look you know, somewhere else. You know, GNS3 is obviously what we're talking about today is a great fit for that. Uh, and, and as they said, it's been around a long time and now it's a dedicated team to it. So that is all. Uh, and then, uh, David, going back to your horses for courses comment. Well, yeah, you know, some of it may just come down to uh, either the right tool for the right job and or personal preference. You know, which do you, do you like UNET Lab? Fine. Get the job done there. Do you like GNS3? Well, fine. You can get the job done there uh, as well. So let's look to the future, guys, uh, for GNS3. So what, what kind of things happen next? You've been working on it for a long time. It's a product that's got some maturity. Now it's got scale. I can do a lot of cool things with it. You've brought Docker in, for crying out loud, I, which I did not know until we had this conversation today. So that's pretty cool. Um, we're in the 1.x family. Uh, what happens with, I mean, do you have you guys thought about version 2 and what that might be like? Uh, yes, uh, so version 2, uh, we have a lot on, uh, on this, uh, but we want to, to work on five major um, improvements. Uh, first one would be the portability. Uh, we, want, uh, we want users to be able to share uh, their labs like, very easily between, uh, between um, different OSs like Linux, Windows, Mac OS X. So that, that's one point, one point uh, we, we want to work on. Then we have the scalability. Uh, so you you want to be able to run uh, huge uh, projects on multiple uh, computers or in the cloud. Uh, you can already do it with the current version of Gen3, but it's not as easy as we we want it to be. We want to make it very easy to, to run uh, appliances in the cloud, for instance. Uh, then we have the um, automation part of it. Uh, we want to um, to to have like uh, pre-configured uh, Gen3 uh, projects, so you don't need to do all the IP connectivity, spend ages to put IP addresses everywhere in your in your in your project. Like configure everything, it takes lots of time, and you you want to be able to immediately test the, the feature you, you you need to test. Uh, so collaboration is another uh, side of it, like to have the possibility for users to collaborate on the same project. So a user uh, delete a node, and the other user can see the um, the node has been deleted. Um, and finally, uh, we would like to have a web interface at some point. We are, we haven't really started to to work on it. We have a we have a POC. But ideally, we want to to have that web interface, so you you can we can we can just distribute one VM, and um, have users uh, use that web interface to to create labs, uh, a bit like Unit Labs actually. A few comments here. One is on the collaboration feature. I got a big thumbs up vote for that if uh if if you guys i mean i know this is all like roadmap stuff and you're not committing to anything here these are just like ideas things that you might do in version two but boy the uh just from my perspective being able to 
uh, collaborate with someone who, because so many network teams are remote now, right? And uh, the people aren't sharing the same space. It's not like you can pop your head over the cube and uh, you know, talk to someone necessarily because the person, your coworker might be uh, half a world away. So if you could build a lab topology and share that or have it be, as you said, an instructor-student relationship where the instructor is uh, saying, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drop this new router into your topology. And then the student sees the router pop into their topology. That would be outstanding. Uh, to have those kind of features. So I, I, I'll give you a big vote for that just because it popped in my head and I got all excited uh, thinking about <laughs> it. <laughs> the automation stuff is cool, too. I know um, Jason Edelman's got a, a project where you can w- work with a bunch of pre-built uh, labs uh, that are in his environment, and he's very big into the automation world. But you can uh, you can rent time in, uh, with, with a lot of the labs that Jason Edelman's pre-built that, uh, that work up in the cloud. Uh, doesn't have... Uh, I mean, it's not a GNS3. It's a, it's a different sort of a product with a different sort of a use case. But uh, but automation is part of how that's been made to go, uh, I know, in his world. Um, and then scale is an interesting one if you guys you know end up wanting to go bigger on that. Just because, man, you can get an awful long way. Like, I've just got these two ESXi hosts, right, with only 32 gig of RAM in each of them and some Xeon CPUs. Nothing great. These machines are two-plus years old now. You can run one heck of a topology on that thing. It's not it's not the biggest ever to, because it all depends on the images you're using. Uh, and memory seems to be the limitation. But, boy, you can go an awful long way depending on what you're trying to accomplish. Uh, you know, anyway. Uh, the web interface, I guess that's, um, I suppose, the, is the user community asking for that one, for the web interface? Uh, yes, indeed. Uh, it will not be replacing the, the current interface we have. It will be more like a complementary uh, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Because some, some users are just like, uh, they just prefer a web interface over a desktop interface. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I can see that. That that does make sense that you can have that in the browser and not have to worry about clients and portability and stuff. You know, on the other hand, I can argue the client's an easy thing to load and you can just pop it on whatever system you need and and off you go, uh, especially if you're, you know, when you're... Uh, lab environment, your executable stuff is actually happening in a VM on, uh, you know, on a server on the back end somewhere. Um, but, but yeah, that's, I, I get that. But is that a lot of work to actually cut over to a web interface? You said you hadn't even started on it, which makes it sound like it's sort of a monumental task. Yeah, yes, that's a, that's a lot of work, especially to, to get the same uh, look and feel as uh, the current desktop uh, interface. Mm. Uh, you want to be able to move your nodes, uh, links, link them, etc., etc., and it's, it's quite difficult to do uh, with, uh, with a web interface. Ethan, you mentioned Jason in in, in the discussion about um, automation, and uh, REST APIs are all the rage of the day these days um, in networking in the networking world. And one of the things I want to mention about GNS3 is in version two, we now have REST APIs, so a developer could do their own automation and make enhancements to the product using the REST API. Oh, okay. So uh, give me some sense of how fully featured that is. I mean, I could do, you know, what with the REST API and then how how well documented is that API? We we have a full documentation for the API with uh, with samples. You can can imagine, for example, um, a teacher will will make a, a lab on stop start routers for uh, for his students to simulate uh, network issues for example it's totally possible with uh, with the api um, yeah. All, everything you can do in the genesis guy is, is exposed in the api 
Ah, it's like, that, that's it. Okay. So anything I can do in the GUI, I can do via REST, and uh, and you've documented it. So okay. You can see it as a, a mini open uh, as a mini open stack. You can run on, on your laptop. Well, guys, this has been a pretty good review of where we're at with GNS3. Um, a lot of things going on. And uh, and again, if, I know if you were a GNS3 user back in the day and haven't touched it for a few years, it is very different now what it was and what its capabilities are. I mean, it's still the same, but it's it's really grown up and matured a lot. And uh, kind of capping it off with it, it's got a REST API now. I mean, kind of tells you a lot of the work that's gone into this product if you uh, if you didn't have a sense of it. So it's a lot there. So, uh, uh, David, I'll, I'll ask you how can people follow uh, gns3 and how can they follow you on twitter i'm assuming you're uh, you're socially active the primary place to go to is gns3.com and there are links to various parts of gns3 there for me personally you can go to twitter my twitter handle is david bumble it's a fairly simple gns3 also has a twitter account and it's quite simple it's just gns3 and uh, you've been working on some uh, academy courses, if I remember right, because I know we've run some ads for GNS3 uh, earlier this year, and you were teaching about SDN and OpenFlow and uh, and so on, right? That's correct. My involvement with GNS3 has come from the training side of things. So I've created courses, as you've mentioned, on software-defined networking and OpenFlow, and I've also created a course on GNS3. So if you, on the main GNS3 website, gns3.com, there's a link to the academy, and there's a lot of courses there from multiple instructors and covering topics from CCNA, Wireshark, SDN, and many others. Uh, Julian, how can people follow you on the internet? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter. My handle is uh, G Duponchel. And uh, you can follow me also on GitHub. My handle is Noplay. Oh, of course, you're a developer, so you must have a GitHub account. That is uh, that is how that works. <laughs> and what about you, Jeremy? Uh, well, uh, you cannot follow me, but <laughs> you, I have a GitHub account as well. <laughs> Aha, okay. I don't need uh-huh. your Twitter. I have a GitHub account. Very good. It's fair <laughs> enough. All right, everyone. Uh, I'm Ethan Banks at EC Banks on Twitter. And this has been uh, Packet Pushers, the Priority Q show. You can follow Packet Pushers uh, on Twitter at Packet Pushers. And we're also on LinkedIn and Facebook and rate us on iTunes. Home base for us is PacketPushers.net. Our community blog is there. All of our different podcasts are there. You can subscribe to our newsletters there uh, and so on. And uh, we're not just... Uh, you know, networking, we are IT news, we are, uh, the community blog has a lot of engineering sorts of articles, uh, and we're trying to think deeply about what's going on in the IT industry, share that stuff with you, um, and that's all of what PacketPushers.net is about. Last but not least, remember that too much technology would never be enough.